0: Hello boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, this is Nishant Gurd and welcome to another episode of the Nishant Gurd Show. This show is about extracting information on mindfulness and personal development. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. As Rumi said, look past your thoughts so you may drink the pure nectar of this moment. My today's guest is Jeff. Jeff is a retired litigation attorney who practiced in both state and federal courts for nearly 40 years and was previously a member of a three-person management committee for a Chicago law firm. He represented clients in a variety of civil matters. He is a regular meditator, trained in the vipassana tradition, and is schooled in mindfulness-based stress reduction. Jeff was prior chair of the Chicago Bar Association and more recently the founder and initial chair of the Chicago Bar Association Committee on Mindfulness and the Law. He has presented on matters concerning the incorporation of mindfulness and meditation into the practice of law for the Chicago Bar Association, Chicago Volunteer Legal Services, the State Bar of Nevada, and the National Association of Bar Executives, as well as other professional organizations. Now let the episode begin. jeff welcome to the show
1: thank you so much for having me it's a delight
0: you are the mindful law guy why people call you the mindful law guy
1: ah well the um the mindful piece of that handle or name is obvious Uh, I'm, i'm a big time fan of mindfulness and meditation the the guy Mindful Law Guy thing is um, trying to um, let people know and um, getting the feedback back from other people that we can talk about things that are quite serious without being you know over the top <laughs> serious about it. It's just the way it is. So the Mindful Law Guy is intended to be playful uh, and it's intended to get people comfortable, you know, so they can let their guard down, let their hair down, and just consume information and they'll think about it and incorporate uh, various comments or or, or whatnot into their own practice as they choose whatever the case may be so that's the idea
0: got it and uh, mindfulness is not serious every time it is fun it can be fun
1: Oh, it certainly can be. I have, um, I can't tell you, there aren't many conversations, but I've had conversations with people where they would say to me in the course of the back and forth, wow, that that wasn't very mindful of you. Uh, And I appreciate their honesty uh, because I think they mean it honestly. But what it says to me is uh, more about them than it does about me. I don't mean to be playful or flippant about things. uh, Quite to the contrary, as I think I've said before, I'll say it again, I try to take what I do, which when I was practicing law actively, certainly in the case, do seriously, but not take myself seriously. And um, there are times when we must really bring our serious side to bear on a, on a particular issue or concept or notion. And there are times to be a little bit more, have a little bit more fun with it. And I think that makes it accessible. It being mindfulness or meditation makes it much more accessible to a broader spectrum of people.
0: Exactly. And now, how would your family describe what do you do for a living?
1: <laughs> it's uh, That's a very good question. Um, and I don't know, I suppose you'd probably have to ask them. I think i've heard so i've got two girls and a boy uh and i've heard from my boy pretty much who happens to be a lawyer by the way against my advice uh, <laughs> i've heard I, i've heard nothing um so i think he's a little he's still young of course i think mean, he's a third year associate so he's still finding his way and learning the, the the ropes and learning the rules and how to get along uh and i hope that there will come a time when he's comfortable talking about other things than you know Law type stuff. But that day hasn't come yet, and I'm certainly not going to force it. Um, I've heard from my girls, on the other hand, neither of whom are lawyers, and they're also older, but I've heard comments along the lines of, like, gee, Dad, you're weird. And okay, all right, fine. You know, Um, it's, I, and from my wife, it's a combination of um kind of support on the one hand on the other hand it's like um i'm thinking it's like a thought bubble from a comic strip you are weird that's what i'm thinking <laughs> she's like, um, and i i i get that for pretty much 40 years uh it would be easy for any one of them kids or my spouse to say uh in response to the question oh what's your husband do well he's a lawyer that's easy it's kind of like um i think of it as uh if he gets if i'm not at a party and I get stuck in a corner with somebody. We've all been there and we're eating whatever we're eating or drinking whatever we're drinking. And at some point uh, the social, you know, habits kick in and we'll say, gee, Joe, what do you do? (laughs) Uh, And it used to be, you know, I could say I was a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. And that would be kind of the, either the end of it would take the conversation in a particular predictable direction. But now I say, well, I used to be a lawyer, but I now uh, started this group, the Mindful Law Coaching and Consulting Group, and we're advocates for, as well as teachers of, and urging incorporation of meditation and mindfulness practices into the law. Oh my gosh! <laughs> the face is like all of a sudden. It's like ah, I'm gonna make a trip over to the table or the bar or whatever, you know. And I'll be back. And of course, they never come back. Uh, so, I think
0: uh, this mindfulness meditation is kind of a taboo, still taboo in the corporate sector. I've come from a corporate sector. I'm I'm in the corporate sector, so I can see that. I can feel that. Yeah, that it's, it's not that common topic to talk about in oh, a gathering.
1: It, it most certainly is not. I think you're you're into there is spot on. And, you know, honestly, for me, it took a couple years at least to um, connect the two circles. Uh, I thought of it, uh, mindfulness and meditation, which I uh, found myself to be very useful, but I thought it was kind of a right brain, left brain kind of a thing. never the twain would meet uh, that what I would comfort or sustenance I received through my practice and how that helped inform how I worked as a lawyer was, I thought, Um, you know, just something that was kind of me, that's what I do. Uh, and then I thought, Oh, you know, over time it became obvious to me that the, uh, the two circles, the right brain, the left brain, whatever, however you want to visualize it overlap a lot. And there are a lot of benefits from meditation or mindfulness practices that I can bring into my work as a lawyer. And, um, I think you extend that to the, to the broader corporate world in general. You know, I think each of us need to understand that and the, uh, The conflict, I suppose, is uh, that for me, at least, uh, and I think for most people, the benefits of mindfulness or of meditation, which I think is kind of a means to the end, at least that is for me, um, is really experiential. And there are so many people uh, who are suspicious, who are skeptical, who just don't believe that there can be, there might be a little bit of room for that in my life personally, someday, not today. Uh, but professionally, no, no never. So they never it takes
0: f- freaking a lot of time. That's what oh, people say. But boy, it, it not does. generalizing that we have a lot of time to spend on social media, but we <laughs> don't have time. This <laughs> is kind of a luxury.
1: Amen to that. It's so true. Um, and, you know, the old meditators uh, comment to kind of throw away comment. Meditation or, or mindfulness is simple, but it's not easy. But it's so true. It's exceedingly incredibly simple. And I think that might be part of the, the problem that a lot of our professional peers uh, or even social peers may have is that today we've been taught or brought up to believe the things if, it's, if they're not somehow complicated, uh, it works remotely accessible that they're not serious well, quite to the contrary. and something that simple or easily accessible like breathing which is of course a uh, for me my practice a cornerstone of meditation uh and mindfulness uh something that easy could be so powerful it is a concept that a lot of people just can't wrap their head around they just can't go there
0: Yeah. And mindfulness is nothing but the awareness of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other opinion around mindfulness for any any listener who is not sure what is mindfulness?
1: Sure. Well, um, I think that it, it, my, my thinking on this is uh, it's a great question. My thinking has really evolved. I kind of started grappling uh, with the idea of what is mindfulness? How does it apply to my life? How can it uh, apply to me personally? Oh, can it apply? To me, professionally, was kind of grappling with that at a forty-thousand-foot level, big picture, and I, over time, really have taken that down to as close to the ground as I can get and think of it very simply. It's not mystical. It's not weird. It's not woo-woo. It's not kind of out there stuff at all. Uh, for some people, they may never be able to access that. They may never want to access that uh, awareness. And uh, to me, I. Think Okay to myself well that's unfortunate but if that's their choice then that's their choice so I'm not into proselytizing and trying to you know at some point I was when I first started the Mindful Law Group I was into kind of sharing this great insight that I had with everybody and I had this notion that you know kind of like the movie uh, if you build it they will come and the uh, silence from many people the silence is deafening and I've come to realize you know what if it's Important for them, they'll figure that out. Uh, And if it's not, then don't foist it upon them. But I think the application it can be uh of mindfulness which is this state of awareness that that you allude to uh and meditation which as i think i mentioned a moment ago for me is the means by which i strive to be as mindful as possible um those things are um to me uh just huge and, and really meaningful and i think For people to have uh, an awareness or an an openness to these practices, they need to think of them in terms that they can get their arms around. So I think of it in terms of fitness, particularly meditation in particular. Uh, What is the
0: difference between mindfulness and meditation?
1: Mindfulness and meditation? Well, for me, I speak only, of course. Uh, Meditation is a a practice. It's the means toward the end for me. For me, there are, of course, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, and some of your other guests have uh, mentioned, uh, there is a practice of mindfulness meditation. Uh, which is, of course, uh, historically a traditional uh, Buddhist concept that's been around for a long time. And I, what I've found uh, is, forgive me, I'm just going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, in my teaching. There's a lot of confusion in people's minds. Is mindfulness the same thing as meditation? Is it different? How and why? Um, and I think there's a part of our brain that kind of needs to compartmentalize these things and understand them, quote unquote, understand them, not experience them, but understand them intellectually. Um, and it's very useful, I have found, to spend a little bit of time um, talking about meditation and mindfulness and how for. For me, they're different and why. And again, get back to the ultimate goal, which is to take people from a a mindset of kind of, I'm very skeptical about this. I don't understand it and I think it's weird to, okay, I'm not sure I really do understand it, but I'm open to that. I want to feel that. Um, And I will allow myself to try and access some of these things, and uh, if you can get move the dialogue just a little bit in that direction and get people to be more open and more accepting to a notion or a practice that they had not previously, at least consciously previously, experienced. That's a wonderful thing, um, and people taking their own uh, direction. For me, in the legal world, how, how, how to. some of the equanimity that one achieves or strives to achieve in um, chasing mindfulness, which is a constant uh, chase. It's a constant effort. And wow, do I, I break, I fail. I break down way too much. Uh, But the the good news is you have an opportunity to kind of like stop, realize and reset and go there. But for me, applying these concepts kind of vaguely in a very specific way that people can understand to say professional professionalism, our professional life. For me, uh, it's about kind of, it's one of the aspects that I think is really important is self-regulation of our thoughts, self-regulation of our emotions and the concept of, regardless of the the tradition, there are many different traditions, but I think the uh, basic mechanism of meditation remains pretty much the same, which is observe the mind. Don't let the mind go blank. Observe it. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? Observe the body. What am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? And be curious about that, you know, observe it and then let it go. Let it pass.
0: Observing Uh, your thoughts, (laughs) identifying and not identifying with the thoughts. And releasing it, so I think it's a it's a beautiful thing to create that gap between stimuli and response.
1: Absolutely, which is of course the great. I love that quote from uh, Viktor Frankl, the uh, Austrian um, psychiatrist uh, who was previously, of course, the uh, uh, Holocaust survivor. Uh, and his the quote, which of course I'll blow it, but the, the concept is one that we're we're all very you know well acquainted with. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. And for me, uh, it goes on from there, of course, but I, I, I like to stop right there and just say that's what meditation, which helps me become more mindful, is all about, finding that space uh, and realizing that we don't have to become slaves to our emotions. Um, getting back to the self-regulation thing, if I have a very difficult question with uh, or a conversation with a client who is really dialed in To their anger or frustration or uncertainty, whatever it might be, Um, the idea is not to quash that and say, "Well, I'm I'm not angry, I'm not stressed out, I'm not anxious." Feeling those emotions. It's exactly. It's just letting them be. Oh, this is what anger is. This is where anger (laughs) resides in my body. I uh, okay, not attaching to that and being angry, just watching anger and, and realizing. Wow, this is something that just kind of happens. It's part of the the human experience. It's the way we're we're wired. And we have-
0: I I remember this saying from Anthony DeMello. He <laughs> spoke that observe your thoughts, observe your body, and observe yourself the way you observe others.
1: Ah, that's great. That's a, who who was that that you were from,
0: from Anthony DiMello.
1: DiMello. Okay. He died yes. in 1987. Yes. Yes. Uh, and, and that's that's another uh great insight and i think it's also a way of um expressing that uh in a manner that some people can plug into it's like they get it we've all had that experience where we've we've heard the same thing you know a hundred different times and finally somebody says it in a slightly different way and we get it quote unquote get it it's like oh that's what that's all about and yeah that that is what it's all about um, and
0: meditation and, can be religious it can be secular non-religious
1: absolutely Uh,
0: in one of your blogs you have talked about secular meditation can you please elaborate on that
1: sure Uh, well for me the difference between religious uh and secular is is huge and i think it really is the root of many many of us uh, our spe- our skepticism, our, our, you know, our, our unwillingness to kind of go there. For me, in the West, uh, one happens to think if, if you talk about mindfulness or meditation, you can almost see if you're talking to somebody, you can see their eyes glaze over and they're gone. Uh, they're just not. They're just not there. And immediately, um, this is my perception, immediately people are leaping to these associations of the uh, the Buddhist monk with the shaved head sitting cross-legged in a cave on top of a mountain, you know, whatever. And I suppose if one chooses to go that way, I don't suppose I know, if one chooses to uh, take one's practice in that direction, then I say, God bless. I think that's a wonderful thing. But there is that kind of religious connotation or association. And secular to me uh, is it's I've heard it described kind of derisively uh, by um, a number of uh, more hardcore religious people as kind of cherry picking. You can't take the good without the bad. Well, I don't I don't believe that. I think. You can if, if it lends itself to that. And for instance, um, I don't believe in reincarnation, uh, which is a uh, religious concept for which I have a great deal of respect. Uh, and the men and women who do believe that, I say, that's wonderful. I you know believe what your beliefs are. But I don't think you need to believe in, that's just an example, but for instance, reincarnation to be open to the benefits of uh, mindfulness, which is, the again, for me, the the end we seek. It's this awareness that that you refer to. And uh, the practice, the means by which I try that, which is, for me, meditation. Uh, Secular, to me, means kind of of this world.
0: Is there any specific meditation practice under secular meditation umbrella?
1: That's a a great question. Uh, I don't know that I've ever uh, experienced that. And, and I don't know. I mean, my, as I uh, mentioned in my website, which I guess I should mention now, I will, uh, my, my shamelessly uh, self-promoting moment uh, if for those of us, which is everybody who have a computer uh, and a search engine, just search the Mindful log group. And you'll find my website, which is, I think it tries to be as informative as possible about some of the concepts we're we're dealing with. But to me, the idea of uh, trying to, um, if you want to think of it as like cherry picking the good stuff uh, and applying it uh, from meditation or mindfulness. And then applying it to our professional day-to-day kind of living uh, as well as our personal living i i think it it lends itself to that uh very well in the website i mentioned my the tradition that i uh, observe meditation tradition that i observe uh and that i've been practicing is vipassana which is a centuries old practice and it's it's a buddhist practice uh that means A lot of different things to a lot of different people, but it doesn't have to be weird or otherworldly. What it means for me is the anchor that I choose as a Vipassana uh, practitioner is the breath. I choose to, as I observe the thought or the emotion or whatever it might be, and I um, let it pass, uh, what do I come back to? Do I just... sit there? uh, Or do I have a place that try and kind of rest uh, my attention? And for me, the breath is that kind of completes the cycle. I observe the thought, I observe the motion, whatever the case may be. Um, I try to be curious about it. And I try to let it pass and not let it kind of own me. And then I return to the breath. And sometimes I can sit for, you know, a nanosecond and my the, the mind is yet on to the next thought uh, or back to the same thought or emotion, um, which is... And,
0: uh, and how long have you been practicing meditation in your life?
1: Uh, not that long, really about seven years, maybe pushing eight years. Uh, and,
0: uh, mindfulness?
1: It is it's funny because um, consciously about the same time unconsciously I think for decades um, I used to be uh, you know just the, the the one minute version of kind of my journey I used to be a type a you know physical fitness guy and totally not into mental or emotional fitness that that, that was a different world uh, and the old kind of mind, body dichotomy that um so many of us know about i was to me lost i lived in my body and i used to be a uh runner i used to go running for you know, a couple hours at a time.
0: When you were into attorney.
1: Correct. Correct. And that was kind of my, I thought of it as, as many people still do, as my outlet. Uh, And of course, we have to be conscious and cognitive of of the body. I I get that. Uh, And we have to kind of feed that beast. Um, We don't have to necessarily be ruled by it, quite to the contrary. I think being aware of it is one thing. Not being ruled by it is a higher awareness but in any event um for me the running would i you know go off and uh, inevitably there would be a, a period of time when it's like okay i got my first got my yaya's out i was running in the first you know half mile or mile or so i was like kind of you know feeling how's my how's my wind how's my breath how's my 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 shoulders how am i feeling and then my all of a sudden i would go into this kind of reverie where you'd be going along or i would be going along uh, and Involves, and all of a sudden my mind would... Uh, kick in and sometimes I would be thinking about something that is uh, really on my mind today, uh, a particular project or a question or a yep. brief or whatever. Um, but sometimes it would just kind of free associate and go out there. And and I love it. it. was incredibly recharging and refreshing for me. And it was a wonderful uh, and you can do things like as you're running, actually hear a bird. <laughs> what a concept. Uh, feel the breeze. Feel the wind. Uh, just, just be... Being Writing. mindful
0: of the environment, exactly,
1: exactly, is. Um Uh, It's the equivalent of kind of uh, chewing, walking and chewing gum at the same time. Uh, One can do that. Uh, I did do that totally unaware, totally unconsciously. I just did it because it came to me and uh, it was like, wow. And then... uh, There
0: are so many practices uh, to be more mindful. Oh, there are. Brushing teeth or focusing on the things around in the room. So what we are doing is we are just focusing on the present moment awareness, present moment consciousness, and not letting mind Wander in the past and in the present in the future. It happens all the time. And when we can focus on the present moment or the things that are around us, we are creating presence in our mind and body and in our surroundings.
1: Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and the seemingly mundane tasks of life, uh, brushing our teeth, washing the dishes, doing all the things that so many of us have heard. It's it's like, dude, this is really happening right now, uh, and Uh, Of course, if one doesn't really pay attention to it or thinks of it as a job and I got to do it, yada, 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 I'm not engaging in that. But every once in a while, those moments will come along. It's like, oh, wow, this is pretty amazing.
0: Meditation is just one dedicated block time when you set some time aside for practicing mindfulness. Absolutely. And, and, and washing dishes, doing different things. We can practice mindfulness in different things as well.
1: Totally. And I think also it's something that, that I, um, I feel it, I struggle to articulate it is, you know, why would one, for instance, we keep talking about, I keep talking about meditation. Um, why, would, why would I do that? How could that possibly inform something like brushing my teeth, uh, or how could that possibly help me get through a difficult conversation with a client or a partner or a work peer? How could that possibly be? People can't make that connection. I feel it. I know it. Th- there is a connection. I struggle to articulate it sometimes. I, the the closest I've come is it's kind of like uh, on a, again going to the physical as a way of bringing us uh, it's a gateway to the mental or emotional is I go to the gym I do my bicep curls whatever. I look real buff so I can go to a restaurant or a bar and meet some uh, woman who I fall in love with and uh, actually have a life that goes on for decades from that moment but I kind of know there's a purpose I can kind of even looking backwards can see I was doing this when I was doing bicep curls or bench presses in the gym. I didn't have any notion of any of the rest of that. But one thing led to another.
0: With mindfulness, the struggle people might face is this mindfulness doesn't have any KPI, key performance indicator. It doesn't have any tangible result. It's, It's inner feeling it's that oh, inner being feeling
1: I agree and that's exactly where I break down that's where I've, I fail to articulate it's easier to draw the the, the line the through line if it, if, if it were in talking about physical fitness it's
0: we can measure the results in physical yes fitness.
1: yeah and you, you can see it I, you know I can get into a t-shirt and be buff you know and there it is. So therefore, it's quote unquote real. Uh, but how I feel or what I'm thinking, uh, it was, doesn't lend itself to that same kind of metric. And uh, you're right, there isn't a KPI. You, you don't get that fixed, that easily objectively verifiable result. There it is. I can look in the mirror and there it is.
0: sure a lot of people want to start meditation or any mindfulness practice and they may not have the tools and resources and they may be struggling from where they should start. So what advice would you give to somebody who starts meditation?
1: Well, um, I, I guess... I, my advice would be do what, what I did because I started w- without a formal teacher, without a, a guru, without a, a spiritual advisor, without somebody to say, here's the way, um, I kind of had to find my own way. Uh what happened for me was uh so back to your question how what would my advice my my advice would be is just do it. First understand to the extent your mind needs to understand if you're that kind of a person uh what it is quote-unquote it uh, and I hear from students all the time am I doing it right yes am I doing it right Uh, which I makes me smile and
0: and there is no definition of Of
1: course of course not it it
0: it is that level of awareness yes when you when you get there you will realize and you would not be able to define and for instance we cannot define happiness real happiness we can define excitement thrill because that excitement and thrill comes from temporary material things we i think this is my philosophy that we cannot define real happiness because it stays inside of us and that's Uh, when when we we know that when we know the path is right we just know it yeah it's the same thing is for meditation
1: absolutely i i could not agree more i think you you're absolutely right nishant it's there, there isn't it's not like um there's a set of directions and uh if you go one two three four five six seven eight nine ten and when you get to ten it's done Ta-da! there it is
0: it's That's a long not, game.
1: It's, it, it, absolutely. Uh, and it can be very, the, the, the path to get there can be very convoluted. Uh, you can be doubling back on one, yourself all the time. I but, struggled with this
0: uh, almost two and a half years ago. I started with one minute, two minute, And then when I practice consistency... Consistency is the key here.
1: Oh, I I, just
0: doing once a week.
1: I totally agree. My first uh, retreat experience was a ten day silent retreat, Uh, and for me, it was a real sink or swim kind of thing. I just boom, you know, I was right. I had no idea what i was getting into um and uh my head was spinning quite frankly i didn't know what to make of that uh it was an incredibly impactful experience and it, it freaked me out a little bit to tell you the truth
0: yeah I, and i have this funny question for you yeah i know in in the western world people have yeah. dogs everybody has yes. dogs but yo people totally. love to keep dogs Close to yes. them in Western culture. Yes. And do you think walking a dog can be meditative?
1: Oh, absolutely. Can you explain uh, w- on that? Please? With, Without a doubt. It's, um, it's quiet time with uh, another being, maybe not a sentient being that is on the same plane as I am. You know, he or she is going about doing whatever they do. But sh- it's an opportunity to, to be outdoors. I'm a huge fan of being outdoors. I love nature. Uh, matter of fact, one of the, um, pages on my websites about blogs and I did a blog uh, about a month or so ago about forest bathing which was a concept that I had never forest encountered
0: forest breathing or bathing
1: bathing forest bathing and there's a um, a Japanese word that's the English translation of a Japanese word slash concept that's become more it's gotten over to the states and as people become more aware of it and what it is is uh, my take again is just basically out in nature and really experiencing that so walking a dog um i can again it's hear the birds feel the breeze uh listen to the uh the the leaves and the trees rustling um there are uh just an endless number of moments that uh, as i'm walking a dog there are no demands made of me so i'm not still in a Obviously, in the sense of uh, a seated meditation, if that's it's what... kind
0: of a walking meditation.
1: It's a walking meditation, yes. And it's and again, it's a question of what your what you what you're into, where your your mind is, and uh, if it's a chore, i uh, I have to walk the dog, or whatever the thought may be that we attach to it. Uh, but then that's what we're going to will be, or that's what our experience will be.
0: I think but, the key is to be in the present moment. Uh, while walking a dog and not letting mind wander in the future or in the past.
1: Yes. Well said. Very well said. and uh, I obviously agree uh, in the, no, the thing is, and it makes me laugh, but it's kind of, again, it gets back to my approach. Um, these are really, really important um, things that we're talking about. And the moments experiencing a moment is such uh, an important and wonderful thing. Um, and it can come. Some people will engage the topic in a way that's very serious minded and serious. Um, Seemingly, to a lot of people, just unattainable. (laughs) Being mindful while walking the dog is a way that, um, it's a wonderful question. It's a way I like to think of something that, again, is very serious.
0: Do you think our dog is mindful?
1: Oh, you know, no. animals are mindful. No. And and the reason, (laughs) this is is wonderful. I I belong to um, a sangha. A group uh, of people who are some of whom are trained meditators a lot of them are not um, and it makes her a wonderful mix and I love the idea of community which is what I, I think roughly translated a sangha is uh, and I love the idea of group meditation I'm a huge fan of that and then there'll be a, a share at the end th- that's you know confidential and comfortable and, and people are encouraged to share but in between the sit and the share is a dharma talk. And sometimes the woman who's the leader of the sangha uh, will give a a dharma talk herself. A lot of times uh, it will be uh, recorded because there's just tremendous content on the internet now available from, you know, a number of men and women who are very thoughtful and glib. Some of them are serious minded. Some are a little bit, you know, uh, more uh, informal, but they'll talk about different kinds of things. And one of the I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. But one of the great Dharma talks that I heard that I think gets to what your question is, was a Dharma talk that Joseph Goldstein gave about what he called black lab consciousness. Uh, And a black lab is, of course, a dog. So the question posed was, uh, which of course led to a more serious kind of conversation. But what is what is meditation? And the question is then: Is a dog meditative? Uh, is a dog meditating? Uh, if not, why not? How you know? Blah 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 blah. And on the conversation goes from there. And the point that uh, Joseph made, which I thought was really spot on is the, the kind of turns on the question of intent does one do what one does uh meditatively uh with intention uh or is it just the kind of a natural lack of distraction um, a natural focus on whatever you know whatever the dogs are doing at the moment sniffing or pooping or whatever uh i think you know, it's,
0: it's where's the difference it between instinct versus mindfulness
1: yes yeah yeah i think that's uh that, that's Again, a great observation on your part. I I think there are animals in general, we among them, certainly, uh, and dogs who can have an instinctual kind of access to mindfulness, uh, can be instinctively kind of meditative. And then there are uh, some among us. Um, I don't know because I don't know about you, but I talk to my dog all the time, but he generally doesn't talk back to me. And if he does, I don't have a dog. <laughs> we're, we're not talking the same language anyways. Uh, so I wouldn't understand. It may be that some of the other animal Uh, brethren we have are, uh, in fact, a lot more aware and more enlightened than we are. But uh, I haven't figured out a way to understand that just yet. So that's where I, I get down to, I think it comes to humans. Uh, and people can t- can recognize that instinctual attraction or openness to mindfulness or to a, a meditative moment It can take it a little bit further with intent. Uh, and that's where of course the practice the more formal practice can kind of come in. Again, the practice is simply as I have to constantly remind remind myself, yeah, just, just, the, there, just a means to getting to an awareness.
0: That's and all. there there are many great outcomes of Practicing mindfulness, such as kindness, compassion, Ah, being loving to others, self love, loving. To ourselves, accepting others and accepting ourselves.
1: Oh boy! Wow! And you've, you—you just said a, a mouthful there. Um, I again, I agree with you. Uh, one of my favorite uh, meditation practices is meta, M-E-T-T-A. Of course, any meditator uh, like yourself would be aware of meta meditation, which is is a form of practice that. I teach a lot because it gets to Metta, M-E-T-T-A, which I think, Nishant, maybe you know, but I think it's, it's either a Pali word. I think Pali preceded historically Sanskrit. Um, I guess it doesn't really no, matter, but but the, 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 the concept... Uh, can be translated in lots of different ways, of course. Uh, No one language is exactly uh, the same as another. But I I think of, or I've heard other people translate metta uh, as compassion. It could be self-compassion. It could be compassion for others. Empathy. Loving kindness meditation is a biggie. And a lot of times people, I've heard a lot of people associate meta meditation with a loving kindness or self-compassion. So um, I think the idea of um, the ideas that you kind of put out there of, of encouraging or allowing empathy or compassion or those things, not that I achieve that all the time i clearly do not but i'm aware of it i and and it's something that it's something to shoot for it's something to strive for uh and it's something to be aware of
0: Uh, and we can start all this from our kitchen table
1: Mm, yes
0: can you please elaborate on that since you have talked about it in the past
1: oh well it's uh again the idea of allowing oneself to... I think the only limitation we have is uh, the limitation we impose on ourselves, our our imagination. And I think that's true if we impose limitations on practices. Sitting at the kitchen table, um, which might be, again, a very mundane place, it's a a place we all spend a lot, probably way too much time in uh, at, I should say, but that doesn't mean that the physical place needs to inform or ought to inform what we allow ourselves to think about or feel and i just think a lot of times people and it's funny because at one point decades ago i toyed with being an architect and the idea of how people respond to space which i think is is a fascinating endless topic that's a topic for a whole other conversation quite frankly but but how we respond to our space, uh, where that takes us, where that, how it informs us, what it allows us or encourages us to do or discourages us from doing. And the, the idea of sitting at a kitchen table and being able to think things think about things or feelings or whatever uh, and not be ruled by the um, obvious or literal suggestion that the kitchen space, the the kitchen table space may impose upon me. It is uh, I think it's wonderful. and it's it's a great practice again of uh, maybe responding to your environment, being aware of your environment, but not let the environment dictate.
0: and Jeff, you you were you are retired litigation attorney and you were in the law field for about 40 years and yes. then you founded this company the, Mon- Min- the mindful law group yes so what was your motivation to launch that company
1: well the the motivation which i uh, uh alluded to earlier was was basically to uh always it was many different levels but first level would be to communicate by word or deed or presence uh, to people who are a group of you know, lawyers, that's what I knew. Uh, the West, which is where I've you know grown up, but there's nothing weird <laughs> about mindfulness or meditation. And people who try to incorporate mindfulness into their life or the practice of meditation are not necessarily weird people. Um, so, uh, although my wife would probably disagree, I think of myself as not being a weird person, and I try uh, very hard not to be. Uh, again, as I think I mentioned earlier, I try not to take myself seriously even though some of the things or ideas that i have maybe i've seen so way too many lawyers who take themselves way too seriously and what they're doing way too seriously yes of course we ought to we need to uh take that work seriously but that's not us it's this it's kind of like the instruction that i've heard many many times and try to give in meditation classes we're not our thoughts you are not your thought. You are not that feeling. And the thoughts and the feelings will pass. Of course, some thoughts and feelings stay with us longer than others, depending on what the situation might yeah, be. Yeah, but-
0: and, and I can definitely relate with that. Coming Coming from a corporate background, I can say that when I didn't have all these mindfulness practices, my mm-hmm. ways of being and my ways of working were totally different. I was mm-hmm. dealing with people in a different way. They were like just objects, just getting the work done, getting work from them. That's all professional. And now I tend to think differently on a human connection. I'm not, I practice at it. It doesn't come naturally, you know, Yes. with with all this mindfulness.
1: For any of us. (laughs) <laughs> You're yeah. not
0: alone, Nishant. Yeah. <laughs> with all these mindfulness practices, yes, ability to understand their emotions and where they're coming from and incorporating compassion and empathy. When yeah. they are not performing, when somebody is not performing in a team, not just judging them why they, why they are doing this. Maybe mm-hmm. they are having mm-hmm. some problem in their life because it's all one life. It's the integration. The life is not different. When we go to work, we go with the same body, same mind same soul we are not different but we project who we'll be somebody else when we are yeah.
1: like, wow. <laughs> yes oh it's so true uh, and wow can I identify with uh, your uh, observation of how how you used to be and how you what you strive to be now and how how different it is and it, it's the difference that I think uh, many of us have heard uh, and it gets back to that great Victor Frankel uh, quote about finding the space it's learning how to respond how to respond skillfully as and opposed to sense, as but opposed but to reacting yeah oh totally and i and i like to think of myself as being more responsive less reactive i mean reactive tends to be we we hear we have heard it's even made its uh way into our our language the kind of i have a knee-jerk reaction which is of course what reaction is it's just a knee-jerk it's just somebody says something that really ticked me off or something i just loved, and and my reaction was immediate uh as opposed to and the reaction was the The feeling, the thought, whatever it might be, I would be completely governed by. Ruled exactly, by.
0: and I remember one of the incidents that happened with me and with my co-worker a year ago. So he was saying something rude to me, and since I knew that if I can, you know, slow down this process of my anger, that reaction time, I can deal with this situation in a good way. Yeah, so I was internally breathing, I was allowing myself to breathe whatever he was saying, and I stopped myself, I was telling myself not to react. I was mindful in that situation. It was yes. not easy to listen all those Mm-hmm. you know negative words but i was allowing i was breathing you know breathe yeah in and breathe yes. out. you know it's slowing <laughs> oh. down the process
1: and and uh wow and I, I mean, talk about getting it. And that gets back to uh my comment earlier about self-regulating uh, emotions is just not letting ourselves, even in the midst of uh, you know, it, it's funny because everybody thinks about living in the moment. And it's not uh what some people I, I think uh mistakenly believe that living in the moment is all bliss. It clearly is not. If in this moment, right now, we're having you and I are having a conversation and you said something to me that was very hurtful and really challenged um you something I did or said or whatever, that moment is not a pleasant moment. It can be quite stressful and it can kick up uh, just a a cloud of emotion that I can either get caught up in the swirl of that uh, or take a step back, find that space, become more responsive, more skillfully uh, and less reactive not react don't get sucked into the uh immediate uh reaction because that's what humans we're all hardwired to creating
0: react. that space between stimuli and response yeah i would like to emphasize and underscore over here that even 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 in the music two notes have a space
1: Yeah, a true, true we yes. cannot
0: create a music without the space
1: uh, it's, it's a, that's a great observation and it's absolutely true. Uh, space, either literal or figuratively, how it doesn't matter, again, it gets back to what your, how you think of it, how, what your awareness might be, but it's just not something that you need to. It's what our minds and parts of our bodies sometimes Lead us to just immediately respond. But it's better to back it off a little bit and just find that space. A little bit of space. Could be a nanosecond, could be a millimeter. It could however your mind, you know, kind of embraces those concepts and respond skillfully. Think about this for a moment.
0: Exactly. Jeff, you are working on a book, Canary in the Coal Mine.
1: Oh yes, thank you. So I, I yes, Canary in the Coal Mine. Can, and, and you, can
0: you explain what what this what, what is this book about and who is this book for? Uh,
1: well, again, my my market uh, was and I guess is, uh, lawyers, but uh, the thought applies to all of us, quite frankly. Uh, And the idea is that in particularly, I'll I'll digress for a moment and just talk about like the legal world, the legal profession, uh, is at least in my view, a good ways behind a lot of the broader kind of corporate world uh, or real world uh, in terms of embracing kind of practices. And a lot of the um, failure or unwillingness to embrace those practices and understand the importance of uh, taking care of ourselves. That's, re- that's really the canary in the goldmine is lawyers. We don't take care of ourselves. We're, we're taught to, it's kind of the lawyer mind. Um, there are certain qualities or, or thoughts or strains of thought that are brought into, uh, that, that are brought into different teachings and the idea of perfectionism, which of course everybody's heard, uh, perfection is the enemy of the good. I think it's true, but lawyers are oftentimes taught to kind of strive for protection or or perfectionism rather, you know, the tendency to examine things and ruminate about things, all those things, uh, focus on others as opposed to focus on ourselves and, and, you know, work hard because that means good hard means good. Um, And as a result of those, uh, qualities which are, I think, really taught—they're learned qualities. Uh, a lot—the the legal profession in general is not well, and the idea of well-being uh, in the workplace, in general, but certainly in law firms, is uh, ha- has not been fully embraced. I think people still struggle with how to uh, incorporate the idea of wellness uh, in. Into, you know, whatever one's profession might be. Uh, But that was the the thought behind um, that book, uh, Canary in the Coal Mine. I actually just um, working on a second book right now as we speak. Um, And um, and my wife has encouraged me to come up with uh, a title that is like legal related and engaging uh, and of course my legal mind which is like my obscure weird mind uh, comes up with a phrase res ipsa loquitur which is um, uh, a Latin um, expression that most lawyers know. res ipsa loquitur means the thing speaks for itself and I thought oh actually wellness well-being does speak for itself either we are well or we're not
0: mindfulness uh, is a framework that can be applied to any profession
1: absolutely Absolutely, I, I I do agree, and I also believe that mindfulness and meditation um, are part of the broader concept of well-being. Um, you know, to that end, it's it's interesting because I, again, in my very naive uh, kind of literal-minded way, uh, four years ago I think it was uh, started a committee at the Chicago Bar Association. So I'm in Chicago uh, called Mindfulness and the Law, um, and uh, hitherto all the committees had been kind of substantive legal committees, like you know, corp- the Corporate Law Committee, the Real Estate Committee, the Criminal Law Committee, the Constitutional Law Committee, whatever. But there was nothing about us as people, because lawyers are people, well, to state the obvious. And it's interesting, because I did not at the time know, I've since come to learn that the gentleman who was the president of the CBA that year, because all committees, uh, in order to be recognized especially new committees, have to be approved by the board of managers, or board of directors, whatever they call themselves. But um, most of the board of managers uh, was thought it was complete hooey. Like, committee on mindfulness, come on, you gotta be kidding. You know, papers flying all over. And this guy, the president, said he exerted his authority. He said, you know, let's give it a shot. Let's just give it a chance. What I didn't learn, that, that conversation happened, I didn't know at the time. Uh, and what I didn't know is that the, um, the guy who was the president, and I won't mention by name, but he was a closet meditator. <laughs> that was his thing. He had his own practice of mindfulness and meditation and he still does but I, I think that led him to recognize the fact that we all need to take care of ourselves so I thought that was kind of the genesis of this mindfulness and law but recently um, idea of well-being uh, has taken root and has been embraced by a lot more people because it's a, it's a different word well-being is it's vague what does that mean sure I mean everybody's in you know, mindfulness is that's a little bit out there kind of thing. And I think uh,
0: uh, mindfulness is something which will elevate our success. Oh, it will totally. elevate what we already are
1: yes i agree
0: it, it is not the be all end all but it will really make us a better it, human being
1: it makes us a better person or allows us to be a better person and of course for better people then we are better in our profession as well as our you know personal lives or relationships um, and in that basic way i i wholeheartedly agree with you i think it uh, taking care of ourselves which is both in mind and body and that's you know kind of what well-being is it's a it's kind of a holistic um notion first of all it's continuous uh it doesn't happen it's not like a one and done thing i i did it i know how to do the puzzle or whatever it's not even a day-to-day thing it could be an hour-to-hour minute-to-minute thing and i could be quite well today and tomorrow mm, not so not so much i could be distracted with uh, work or a, a problem relationship wise personally or what, you know, whatever it might be uh and it's just the idea that well-being of which i think is a, the broader more generic uh funnel or bucket if you will that I would put mindfulness in uh it's a tool mindfulness and meditation they're both tools that help us and some days, they help us a lot. Some days, they don't help us so much. It's the uh,
0: compound, if- compound effect that matters?
1: Yeah, exactly
0: we don't see the results in one day it's like putting putting your money in a bank you won't yeah. get the interest right away it takes two years <laughs> and years
1: that's a that's a, a great analogy uh, I'll have to use that one myself because I think it's it's exactly right it's it's incremental it's small it's not obvious necessary necessarily uh, and it's it's not immediate and uh, when you
0: get to the top of the mountain you see another mountain <laughs>
1: right. Oh yeah, that's always there.
0: Well, Jeff, my last question
1: yes. for you is: Yes,
0: what skills can be honed through meditation?
1: Well, through uh, meditation or mindfulness, I think is is it gets back to um, the word that you mentioned, uh, the concept you mentioned. Um, Uh, a while back of just awareness. I think uh, skill set wise, if we are more aware of what we're saying and what we're doing and what impact that has on ourselves, we're also aware of the impact it has on others, it'll make us better communicators for sure. Uh, And again, my world, which, uh, you know, the, the, the law world is all about communication. And I think, uh, to the extent that, that we're um, that we do spend more time on the cushion, and or are more mindful, whatever it is we're doing—walking the dog or or, or uh, sitting at our desk working, whatever it might be—those things will will bear upon our communication skills, how we treat ourselves, how we treat others. It's the old kind of golden rule in the Christian faith: Do unto others as you would do unto yourself. And that's and, so.
0: And managing our emotions, and with in, mindfulness. Totally. We can enable ourselves to identify what we are feeling and then we can manage. We cannot yes. manage what we are not aware of.
1: Correct. Correct. And again, it gets back to the response reaction thing. We if we don't react and we respond, then it's a it's a different outcome.
0: Yes. Well, Jeff. Thank you so much for being on the show. I oh, it's my, it's
1: my delight. It's my delight. I, you, As you have uh, come to learn, I could talk your head off. I Once I get going on this stuff, I get so jacked up about it that I just can't stop. But that's what we all must do, both for ourselves and for others. Thank you, Jeff. All right, Nishant, thanks so much Thank for you. your time. Appreciate Thank it.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned from this episode that you can apply in your life. If you did enjoy this, please subscribe to the podcast, The Nishan Girl Show on Apple Podcasts, leave reviews. Also, you can make an impact in someone else's life by sharing this podcast episode. When you share this, you can transform someone else's life. I'm so grateful for having Jeff on this podcast and share his message with the world. So please spread the message everywhere. As Rumi said, look past your thoughts so you may drink the pure nectar of this moment and thank you again